Welcome to the Smart Driving Cars podcast. We appreciate you taking the time to be with us. This edition is sponsored by the Smart ETFs, Smart Transportation and Technology ETF, symbol MOTO. For more information, head to MOTOETF.com. I'm Fred Fishkin, along with the Faculty Chair of Autonomous Vehicle Engineering at Princeton University, Alan Kornhauser. Hi, Alan. Hey, good morning, Fred. Good morning. And joining us are Ken Pyle, Managing Editor of VOD View and producer of VOD TV, who brings a lot of insight to mobility issues and transportation. Thanks for being here, Ken. Thank you, Fred. Also with us is Lewis Aaron, a Princeton University junior, a student of Allen's. You've taken a break during the pandemic and have spent some time working with The Boring Company. That's the Elon Musk tunnel venture. Thanks for being here, Lewis. Yeah, good to see you again, Fred. Well, we've got a lot to talk about. And to be clear, you are share, you're sharing your own thoughts with us as a student, not really speaking for The Boring Company. Want to put that out there right at the top. The Las Vegas Convention and Visitors Authority this month offered a first look inside that underground transportation solution. And the loop, as it is called, will be available when the World of Concrete Convention takes place in June. Lewis, uh, tell us what you've been doing and the status of the project right now. Yes, the the project actually, um, I I think there's an article that I know um, mentioned that the world of concrete is our first convention. And it's kind of just something that goes to show you how little the media knows uh, about this project. Uh, our first convention is tomorrow, uh, or, or Wednesday actually, uh, with, with the Mika Auto, um, Auto Auction, I think it's called. Um, so we'll have, we have a smaller convention starting Wednesday, which lucky for us is a bit of a, a nice warm up one, but it is the first time we'll be open to the public. And then uh, we have like a little bit of a medium sized one just after that, and then we'll come uh, world of concrete um, but yeah tomorrow uh, this week is going to be the, the first real test um, what I've been up to has been largely what I was up to back in November and December except now I've just got a bit more autonomy um, and so that's uh, getting all sorts of permits whether it's for um, you know to install uh, help install superchargers or to help install um, you know uh, um, like our station show pieces or um, you know, whatever it might be, uh, there are an incredible amount of permits that you need to do this stuff. Or it could be, you know, now when, when we're looking at our new alignment, which will go through the city of Las Vegas, um, we need to get uh, soil samples throughout that entire alignment. And so, you know, blocking off new parts of road and, and drilling through them um, is, is obviously a process that needs to be permitted as well. And so, you know, working with our with our drilling team and, and uh, with the city of Vegas and Kind of developing relationships with some of those city employees has been uh, what, what I've been getting to do recently. One of the more fun things that I'm working on lately is that um, the, the way that this is permitted with the county is as an amusement and transportation system, so ATS. And um, for our ATS permitting, that's basically, it's, you know, it's totally separate from the building part of it. It's just the operations part of it. And so I've been getting to go through that documentation, kind of updating it for our future ex- expansions to the tunnel. Um, you know, and, and in some cases that's just updating, you know, changing the project name. And then in other cases, it's, uh, you know, really updating the language to reflect um, a different type of operation. So, so, uh, so Lewis, Lewis, can you comment on the amu- amusement part of this? 
we, I think we all can, or at least most of our listeners and watchers can understand the transportation part of it. Uh, what's the amusement part? Or Maybe they're going to be view, filming again, another Ocean's, it, Ocean's Eleven movie using the tunnels. That's what <laughs> again, you know, this is this is Lewis, and and he's a student at Princeton. So, um, and and uh, so describe that. Describe that for us, Lewis. So, so I mean the, the amusement part um, is just kind of a funny. It's you know it's one of the the things that shows how funny permitting can be. Um, you know we're we're permitted the same way that a roller coaster will be permitted um, in Vegas, but also the same way that a monorail would be would be permitted. So um, it's just kind of a, a funny byproduct of of the system. Um, but that said, I mean. Like, yeah, let me let me just interrupt you. Not would be is right because there is a monorail at, right. in Las Vegas, and so uh, basically, I, I I think that you followed their lead in some sense in doing this. Correct. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's right. And, and kind of what it ends up meaning is that it's the same staff of of um, plan reviewers and and um, you know inspectors who are going to be figuring out if this if this project is safe. So. You know, when it came down to ATS, final ATS um, inspections and um, and commissioning, we just had a swarm of you know a ton of a ton of inspectors from the county um, who showed up at our at our system and just tried to wreak havoc. I mean, it was it was pretty entertaining. But um, you know, at, at the very beginning, you get a a little call over the radio that's like explosion in tunnel two, uh, tunnel two east, and I'm like, holy, like what on earth? Like this is going so poorly. <laughs> We're two minutes in, there's an explosion. And then, uh, you know, after that, it was like, oh, and actually the explosion was like an explosion in four parts of the tunnel. And like, now you have like, you know, shooters blocking the exits and, you know, all this wild stuff. And it was like, oh, okay, so this is a test. And uh, <laughs> then we relaxed a bit. Um, but yeah. Well, I, yeah, I mean, those things are sort of uh, important because because you have to stress test it and you, you can't just um, uh, certify for, uh, you know, easy conditions. You have to certify certified for uh, when things might get a little tough, right? Right. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. Um, and, and then, uh, you know, one, one other comment on the amusement part is that um, I think one of the parts of the system that... Um, that a lot of the people at the company think is important is how flexible it is and, and how easy it is to update. So, you know, it's because it's just an asphalt road underground. Um, you know, if, if you wanna change um, the drive surface and make it smoother somehow, which is something that we've done, that's something you can do. If you wanna make it, the lights go on at a different in a different way or tunnel lighting be different, that's something you can do. If you wanna add in autopilot at a later time, that's something you can do later. Um, if you want to update the stations, like it's not that hard to change the painting in the stations. And now you have parking spots that look that are parallel instead of jagged, whatever it is. Um, you know, compare that with something like the monorail, like once it's built, it's built and there's not that much you can do. So, you know, at this point, now that the tunnels are built out, the stations are built out. Um, a lot of what we do over the next few months is going to be perfecting kind of the amusement part. Like how, how easy is, is it to get into the system? How fun of a ride is it? Um, you know how professional is it, and and um, those sorts of things that you can iron out in such a in such a, a moldable system. And initially, describe for us who for for audience members who may not be familiar how this will operate. This is within the convention center. Initially, describe yeah. what what this is going to be like. Yeah, that's right. So for now, it's it's um, 0.8 miles in each direction, so 1.6 total miles of tunnel, 
and it starts, there are three stations. There's what we now call the South Station, the Central Station, and the West Station. Um, and those take you from the South Hall to the Central Hall and the West Hall, the Convention Center. So it's a very limited um, operational design domain, as Professor Kornhauser would say, not that you can even go outside of it if, you, if you'd like to. Let me pour your own tunnel. Um, but that's, that's, uh, that's pretty much the extent of the system now. And, and now it's about, um, you know, our, our next section will hopefully begin in the next few months. And we can start expanding up and down the strip. That will be interesting. Ken, I know you've been following this uh, for, for quite some time since it was first announced and share some of your thoughts with us about this uh, well, and, and questions well, you might have. Yeah, I was going to say, I just a uh, couple things that just uh, triggered uh, some thoughts. One is that what you're describing in, in many ways parallels what is going on in broadband in the sense that they're abstracting you know, the hardware from the software in a sense they can make this the hardware dumb pipe, if you will, and then you change things in software and, and add new capabilities. And it seems very similar where you have this, this, this tunnel that is, you know, just a dumb tunnel, but you're adding the intelligence over time, whether that's through autopilot or, you know, whatever. Um, the other thing that I'm kind of curious is Las Vegas seems to have in place this uh, amusement, uh, the AMT, whatever you called it, this this group that understands how to kind of regulate um, a, a transit system like that. Do other jurisdictions, are they as advanced as uh, Las Vegas so they could be prepared for this kind of thing? What, what's your thoughts on that, Lewis? Yeah, uh, that's a good question. Um, so for example, so, so what some people don't know about Vegas is that um, the strip itself is not actually in the city of Las Vegas, it's in Clark County. And so um, Clark County is, is far more prepared um, than the city of Las Vegas, which is the portion, uh, the, the top portion of our alignment. It ends at Sahara Avenue is, is where it becomes city of Las Vegas or Sahara, I guess. Um, so, so the city of Las Vegas does not have, uh, as far as I'm aware, an ATS um, permitting um, like group. And so um, what ends up happening in, in other jurisdictions that are smaller like that is that you have to figure out what other regulatory agency applies. And so, you know, obviously <laughs> the, word, the last thing that you wanna happen is to have like a state regulatory agency going on because state agencies just tend to be uh, bigger and more bureaucratic and, and slower. Um, but it, it just depends. You, there are like certain cases, I believe, I'm not an expert on this, but I believe there are certain cases where um, the city will let you contract out to a, like a private, basically what amounts to like a private permitting um, group, but but that's not I, that's not the right term for it. But but in essence, I mean, it, it's what's like QAA, which is I think Quality Assurance Agency. Um, that's what they use. That's what Clark County uses even um, to inspect like welding and 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 steel welds. You know, to make sure that they, they don't have people on staff who are qualified to do that. So you have to submit. Here's the company that we're going to use. These guys are are qualified with the county, and they're going to come inspect all of our welding. And then they send a document to the county saying this is this weld is, is good. And, and I think there's a similar process for um, ATS systems as well. So I, I want to add uh, to the disclaimers. I'm, I'm actually an airport commissioner for San Jose Fly SJC. So my comments though are strictly, strictly my own and they don't reflect what the, uh, the comments of SJC. But that's what drew my initial interest in this was uh, the idea of creating a connector between one of the local train stations and the airport and I started looking at the economics of it. And just based on what the numbers were publicly, I doubled the, 
number for the tunnel. I used like $250,000 for a car. And in that scenario, it was just assuming like three cars to one going each direction, a spare car. And, you know, did some math and figured, okay, it would take maybe 7% of the passengers per year, like a million passengers per year. And it came out to about a buck 43 per or buck 49 per passenger or something. I, I said, my gosh, if you charge three bucks, that's a 50% margin. Maybe there's something here. And you compare it to, uh, you know, in Oakland, they have a connector that connects BART to the airport. That's $6 operational cost for getting the capital cost, which was, I think, like $400 million or something. So uh, that's what made me really interested in this. Um, and, and subsequently, I've been following it. Ontario, I know they've, uh, they have a deal with the boring company to do that kind of connector. So I think there seems to be some legs there, but it's just been impressive how quickly this has happened. I mean, it's amazing to me. The speed with which these the, the tunnel is built is, is a big part of the picture here, right? That you're that the boring company is able to do this. What what did it take a year? Yeah, just over a year. I I, I want to say it was a year and three months, but again, I'm kind of showing my uh, my lack of knowledge here. Um, but but whatever it is, it was it was most certainly under two years from um, you know the the day that they um, you know from shovels. Well, what's the right word? When shovels were in the ground until uh, until we are operational. And I think that's kind of something that's left out from the media coverage, because obviously this was finished quickly is not an exciting story, right? Um, and so, I mean, the, the, it's just, I mean, building an entire transportation system that has that is underground um, and even, even one mile of it, 0.8 miles of it, is just like wild, wild to, to complete and under in like a year and a half, or I think it's a year and three months. Um, I mean, I don't even know, I've never heard of another system that has been built that quickly. And, and the next section of it will hopefully be built in three months, um, which is gonna be another 0.4 miles. What's the next section then? Um, the next section, so I'm, I'm trying to remember whether, um, whether or not this is public oh. information, but um, the, the next sections will, will connect to um, hotels on the strip um, and, um, and okay. there's there's one that's about 0.4 miles away from the convention center that will be the next section. So one of the things that impressed me was the, um, it, it seems like they figured out how to get the cost down and by doing smart things, like instead of having a diesel run boring machine, it was electric. So the operational costs were lower. And then I know in the beginning, they were talking about actually taking the dirt, recycling it and make bricks out of it and selling it. Did that actually happen? Yeah, so <laughs> that, that's um, yeah. That's a, a an interesting um, an interesting part of what's going on. We do we built a little machine um, in the back of our warehouse that does um, take a big pile of muck and um, squish it into bricks. And it's not meant to actually you know be like um, it, it's not meant to be like scaled for sale. It's meant more of like a proof of concept at this stage. Um, but I mean, I I think. You know, there's there's definitely something to it because it's really really expensive to haul dirt off of land, which is might be a little bit surprising. But um, you know, when you have truck after truck after truck driving through and picking up dirt every day, um, it it really does add up, and then it becomes really really expensive if the dirt has um, chemicals in it, um, or if it was in a remediation location, or if there's some sort of chemical spill in the past. 
because then you got to haul it off even further and you got to burn it and separate out the chemicals. Um, and so if there's a way to safely, you know, create a pile of bricks on site and move them later, that, that would definitely be a huge plus. So the transportation is actually provided by Tesla vehicles, right? That's right. And st- step us through the, the, the passenger experience here. And I guess there's been some conjecture about how much will be charged too. I don't know if you know anything about that yet, but we've yeah. seen some figures in the media. When you use mass-produced vehicles like Teslas, they're, they're a lot less expensive per seat than when you have a monorail or, or a train that are, that are produced at such low volumes. Um, so that's one of the nice advantages. And we can, we can throw new cars into the system, take old cars out, um, and you know, it's not like we have to have a big construction day or take something over to a big rail yard and haul it off. Uh, it's just such an easy process. Um, but as for the, the user experience, I mean, that's something that's um, constantly changing and we're still figuring out. I think probably one of the greatest weaknesses of the system right now is people figuring out how to get in and out of the cars. Uh, because there's, in my opinion, there's not a very clear way um, of knowing who's first quote unquote in line, right? There's just a station with a bunch of boarding spaces so, so, so sounds sounds to me like my favorite analogy with an elevator, you know, <laughs> I mean, you just show up uh, you, uh, if, if, if Alexa tells you to go to this one, you, you go where Alexa tells you, I guess they, they, they've put Alexa in, in elevators, although maybe they haven't been used very much over the past year since nobody's going to work in those towers or whatever, but, you know, you get in, you takes you to where you 14th floor, you get out, you, you forget about it, right? I mean, isn't that, isn't that pretty much it? Is the goal to take out that elevator operator, <laughs> the, the safety driver? Sorry, yeah, that's, that's the goal. Um, I, I know, um, I'm trying to remember. Yeah, that's the goal. I, I think, um, you know, it makes sense that the interim would be enabling autopilot. Right now we're not allowed to use autopilot um, for, because of the permits that we have. Um, and, and once, you know, so, so once we get autopilot, then finally the next stage will be obviously full autonomy, but that's, you know, full, full autonomy in the tunnels is really easy. Full autonomy in the stations is, I think, pretty hard actually. Um, so we'll, we'll see how that goes. Um, you know, you can't, I, I don't see, I don't see a way that autopilot could possibly function um, without modifications in, in a station, right? There's not, there's no code for show up to a station park let people in and then go where they tell you. That's, I mean, that's not even close to being in the code. So there's going to have to be some significant work done um, between now and then. But, um, you know, it, it'll be interesting to see how autopilot goes. Um, there was also... Yeah, but, yeah, but, but, but uh, Lewis, in some sense, uh, you, live in, you live in Phoenix and we've, uh, you and I have sort of watched over Waymo and, and Chandler and so on. And in some sense, this is the way Waymo did it up up on the streets you know they've they've had uh, uh, safety drivers attendants on there doing the driving and they've um, we assume we don't know for, for facts they've been improving the software and the system so that you know the driver had to do less 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 and apparently they are now at a point where at least they're able to take some of the drivers out of there and go out and do it. The same thing there. I think that in our discussions of what to do in Trenton and so on to set it up, you set it up first, you set it up with people. Of course you, 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 I mean, otherwise the people are going to freak out. I guess 
I don't know. I'm I'm not that old. I that that I got in an elevator, you know, with an elevator operator. But you can imagine that uh, that uh, Otis, when he was putting together his elevators and make doing all the stunts to show that it was safe and so on and so forth, there was an operator there to to get you know to deal with the anxiety and to make sure the darn thing really worked. And then at some point, um, you know. It just somehow the the elevator operator disappeared, and everybody didn't even notice. And uh, and this is this is the way this has to go if it if it ends up going there. Yeah. Well, in a sense, the, the question may be for the boring company as the boring company you know digs the tunnel, builds the darn thing. The question is who operates it and, and who does that. And, and it may, in fact, be an operator or a subsidiary or a division or whatever of the boring company that really focuses on those things. And then when they go out and buy these things, I mean, to what extent do they really have to buy Teslas? Well, I know that you know the current owner and the current owner and whatever and so on and so forth. There, there's a, there's a close relationship, but uh, but my goodness, they could go out and buy uh, you know uh, X Y Z vehicle. As you mentioned, this is the the beauty of this thing is it's a it's a very inexpensive way surface, you know that that you, know, you can put. You could maybe put a GM vehicle down there. <laughs> Whoa! One, one <laughs> of the things don't say it because <laughs> you know you might get yourself in trouble. But I said it. There, there was in one of the earlier marketing. I mean, the Las Vegas Convention Center Bureau. Uh, it's great the way Elon Musk get up, gets other people to market for him. But they actually show. I've got it on my website. They show a vehicle that is you know purpose built. That's you know for this kind of thing. It's pretty cool. So. Yeah, yeah. There's there's a there is a higher capacity vehicle that's been shown in some mockups, um, and uh, work work has been done on that kind of thing. Um, but in the short run, I, I don't believe there are plans um, in the very short run to to necessarily use that because um, I, I mean, yeah. If we want to talk about capacity, we, we certainly can. Um, but I, I think there are good reasons to stick with lower capacity vehicles. And does it, is this really truly like a horizontal elevator in the sense that uh, it's, it's connecting the buildings and so it's adding value to the buildings it's, itself? Uh, do you foresee like there being charges or is it just going to be kind of like a people mover to get people from one side of the convention to the other? Um, yeah, I, I mean, it is it, for, for a convention, for convention goers, that's exactly what it is. Um, and, and I believe it'll be free for convention goers. Um, because of the way that the LVCVA has decided to operate it. Um, but, you know, there, there are lots of different cost models that you can use. Um, and I don't, I don't think I can necessarily say which ones we're, we're going to go with yet. But um, if you just think, like, what are the possibilities? Um, they are that you can have, um, you can have, for example, in this case, the convention center pay for all their rides. So, you know, you count up how many rides took place. And then the company says, Oh, it's it's five dollars per ride, and so then the convention center pays you five times the number of rides that took place. Or you could do a base operations fee and say, you know, we'll pay you X dollars per month. Or you can do let's charge the riders. Or you can do let's charge the riders a reduced a reduced fare. And so if they've got the app, you know, they pay two dollars, but then for each two dollar ride, the convention center pays the operator three dollars. So there are lots of different models you can go with. Um, and and one of the most interesting ones to me is 
we'll pay for anyone to come to our hotel, um, but we won't pay for their ticket out. <laughs> there, there are a lot of different ways you can do that. That's the Hotel California well, well, model. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah well, uh, okay, just, just to correct you a little bit, Lewis, these are pricing models. These aren't costing models. They're costing yeah. from the customer side, but and really from the operation too. side, they're pricing models. And, the, and, and if you're going to run a business, you know, you, uh, you sort of uh, have to look at how, how much money it costs you and then how you're going to price it so that somehow you become other than a nonprofit, right? I mean, that's, that's a simple, that's sort of the, the simple thing here. And, <clears throat> And this reminds me that, uh, you know, uh, back in the day, uh, a bunch of us had had proposed a a personal rapid transit system for Las Vegas, which was going to be elevated instead of underground. And my goodness, if we thought we could dig a tunnel for cheap, we would have, of course, suggested it to be underground, but that wasn't the thing. And in fact, you know, it was it was really gee whiz bang uh, automation, and of course, our pricing model for that thing was to make it free, okay, <laughs> to the make it free to the uh, to the user. And where where was the revenue going to come from? We were going to put slot machines in the vehicles, <laughs> and and the revenue would come back, you know, from people you know playing the slots and so holy i mean it was it was it was like crazy i mean it it was really neat Uh, and we ran into the exact problem that you've just mentioned is that uh, is that Jeez, you know, the various casinos really did want good transportation uh, because, because once they got you in there, they want you to stay there until basically you have nothing left, sort of whatever. Uh, and so, of course, they want to pay you to come there. But yeah, going out, you know, you're on your own, sucker. <laughs> I'm, you know, this is a little bit in jest, but it's... Uh, it's <laughs> yeah, I agree with you. Very good, Lewis. <laughs> That's great. We'll be back with more, but first, this is a good time to remind you about our sponsor, the Smart ETFs, Smart Transportation and Technology ETF, symbol MOTO. To get more info, head to MOTOETF.com. On the website, look for a white paper. It's called The Smart Transportation Revolution. You can find it under the Insights and News tab. They have information there to help you make informed decisions about investing. You may know that ETFs can be a smart way to spread risk with investments and focus on a particular category of stocks. The site, once again, is MOTOETF.com. We are back with more of the Smart Driving Cars podcast with our guests, Ken Pyle and Lewis Aaron. Lewis, let me ask you this. Is there, passengers would want to know, they want to be on their phones all the time. Is there going to be connectivity? I assume there is, even though it's a tunnel. Yeah, absolutely. We suspect yeah, I mean, you'd be biased, but uh, the experience, can you describe it for us? I mean, from a, say, what, what, what can consumers expect? Is it going to be fun, comfortable, et cetera? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I personally prefer to sit in the front seat. The back seat's a little uh, tight against the wall, um, but, but um, it, it's, it's pretty awesome. I mean, it's, it's the only system, uh, the only underground system that I'm aware of that's like perfectly lit every single inch of the tunnel is like daytime down there. Um, or if you want it to be like party lighting, you know, you can do full <laughs> rainbow, we, we call it rainbow road. 
Um, and, and, you know, you've got two strips of rainbow lights on either side. Uh, that's super cool too. Um, you know, I'm sure they'll start introducing some way to play the music that you want to listen to in the car. Um, you know, you've got your own personal pod, the Tesla, it's comfortable, it's air conditioned. Um, and, and I think the last thing is, um, you know, it, it, there's, there's a lot of stuff online. I saw some ridiculous tweet that was like, this is, you can't even open your door in the tunnel. This is a celebrity death machine or something like that. <laughs> um, and it's like, this is, I mean, it really is an incredibly safe system. Um, if there were to somehow to be a crash, um, you absolutely can open your doors and um, you can walk right past the side of the vehicle. And more importantly, there's no third rail. So there's no like high voltage electric line going through the middle of it. It's just a, an asphalt road and you walk right out. Um, and, and, you know, if you think about it, the furthest, we have three stations. So each segment's 0.4 miles. So if somehow you crashed in the worst possible place to crash, right in the middle of those two stations, the furthest you're going to have to get out is 0.2 miles. Um, and, you know, obviously fire teams can have, have great access. Uh, again, I, d I don't want you to comment. I'm just a little personally surprised that that um, all of the other conduits are under the pavement as opposed to more readily accessible for fixing. I mean, you know, one of the things, even though it is a simple pavement, it, it, you know, if, if it needs to be fixed, you'd prefer not to dig it and prefer to almost still be able to manage to operate while it's being fixed even you know that kind of thing so easy accessibility to all the various infrastructure that you need even in a tunnel probably you know needs to be there but i don't know the details so therefore and i don't want you to, to comment on the details the, the fact the fact that the communications piece is open and probably and not just one way is two-way most um, and i don't want you to comment on that is but uh, I'm sure a uh, boring company is not stupid that, you know, it's two way and there's, there's enough um, um, oversight over what's going on again, to make sure that, that, that just like with everything else, people are going to have to behave in, in doing this stuff. Uh, you know, people can't be cute and, and all of a sudden, you know, do whatever, 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 certainly not any of the things that we sort of saw happening uh you know the uh, last weekend and so on in houston and whatever so i think one has to be very serious plus there's an operator inside to, to assist the passengers certainly in the beginning but even if one goes out and starts thinking about you know uh into the future um whatever you know people end up having to behave. I know that uh, in airports with people movers, maybe in the beginning, you know, some people were whatever, but I guess because there are other people around, people behave and, um, um, and that's important. So just at least not from Lewis's point of view, from my point of view, all those things are very important to make this a successful thing to, for people to get, get around. Another comment, uh, do you really need air conditioning that deep or something? Or is it cool enough or whatever? Or there are going to be so many people and so many things, it's going to get hot down there. <laughs> so what's, what's going on? <laughs> so, we have one subsurface station. Uh, and in that station, I don't believe we, I, I'm not entirely certain, but um, 
I know that we're not pumping a ton of cold air into there. So I believe, I believe that's like, but you have circulation. I mean, you have to do circulation and all that. So, I mean, then, which is a non-trivial part of all this stuff. Okay. I think the AC is really for being picked up at the stations on, on the surface. Um, you know, it's going to be 105 degrees here. 110 degrees. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. Yeah. Up there, you, you really need it. Right. But, yeah. but they're enclosed, right? They aren't, or are they out there in the open? I, I guess I should know, but I don't. I'm sorry. What, the, what, what, the stations? Out, out, yeah. On oh, the yeah. Surface. They're, just, they're yeah. outside. They're, they're just basically um, a parking, like they're, they're like a fancy parking lot in a sense. Uh, you, you drive up, pulls into a, a parking space, you get in and you drive back down. What are you going to do when it snows in Vegas? <laughs> and it snowed this year, didn't it? I heard, I heard one day that it snowed. <laughs> it did snow. It did snow. Uh, well, the, the drive surface is covered. We have, we've sold fan cookies. <laughs> so, you know. And those parking lots have charging stations too, I assume, for the vehicles? Um, some, some will. It, it depends, yeah. Obviously, the the spaces where you're parking to pick up passengers don't need chargers because you're you know you, <laughs> how long are you going to be stopped uh, unless you had some sort of NASCAR pit crew that you know, plugged it in passengers get in and unplug it. Uh, <laughs> but but um, I think most of the charging is planned to take place back at our our depot basically, which is at our warehouse. And you cycle vehicles in and so on. You know exactly what the charge is. All that's manageable. I mean, it's trivial. Right. Exactly. Well, Alan, I don't know if you were inferring that people misbehave in, in Las Vegas, but I, I've never heard of such a thing. So. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm sure they don't. I mean, in, in my class, we have we have the Las Vegas rule, you know, uh, you know, what happens in my class stays in my class. Same as Las, and nobody ever misbehaves in my class. Right, Lewis? I mean, we're, we're all perfectly good children in there. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Well, tell us uh, what, what we know about what's next for the Boring Company. Where else might we be seeing them, them go to work? Because some things have been on the website and there, there are reports that they're off the website. So what's, what's on the horizon? Yeah, that was a fun news story to see come through. Um, the, the removal of something from the website turned out to be a Washington Post article. Um, but I, I think, um, yeah, th this is probably the part I can say the least about. Um, but I'll, I'll say two things. The first is that, you know, the, the, the news reports, um, obviously the, the, there's some mayors in Florida who held press conferences, um, like explicitly stating that they came here and visited, uh, rode the system, they liked it, they wanted something similar. Um, and so, you know, we're, we're exploring projects all, all over the place. Um, and, um, uh, but yeah, that's, that's about as much I can, as I can think I can say. You know, Lewis, that's that's sort of the same concept that we had during the summit and so on with respect to doing, uh, you know, uh, mobility systems for for the Trentons of this world. Uh, you, the important thing is to is the is it is to create welcoming environments and places that basically welcome the, the technologies and and um, and want to do it and, and work together to, to make it happen. Certainly there are challenges, certainly there are problems, certainly there are um, modifications and so on that have to be made with anything. But, but to, to go in and sit in, the, I sat in the Princeton planning board for seven and a half years and boy, did I learn how to say no, 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 every other way. And, and Ken, you've been in sort of the same thing, <laughs> you know, in some sense. 
So, in fact, if that if that's if that's the the viewpoint, and you know, if if one is developing these things, one one has to go somewhere else. One can't one af- one can't afford the, that time and and find, especially in the beginning, find those that that are that are willing and 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 can actually feel that they can make good use of the technology and that it provides some fundamental vi- uh, fundamental benefits to to the to the um, community and you know that's that's the reason for mobility is to deliver is to deliver and improve quality of life to to the community and if one thinks that this isn't going to do this then you know then fine yeah <laughs> and, and that's one of the the interesting parts about this company is that it's not actually at its heart it's not a mobility company right it's a it's, it's a tunneling company and so um, mobility is, is really something that we've gotten into and as far as I can tell, in order to induce demand, right? It's it's the same kind of thing with SpaceX where you create a product and the market's not that big. But I mean, on a monetary, from a monetary standpoint, it's it's a giant market, but how many projects are there to launch things in outer space? Um, You know, you kind of went off all the contracts and then it's like, what do I do with this this spaceship? And so Elon's solution was Starlink where he he created a new product that needed more space missions. um, and, And he was kind of able to induce his own demand that way. And I think that's what's going on here with the loop where it's like, you know, the product is tunneling, but how many tunneling projects are there and how many people are going to let us, you know, bury their utilities for cheap um, when we've never built a tunnel before. Uh, and so, you know, we've been, we've been super lucky with the Vegas project um, that, that it's been an awesome proof of concept where we get paid. Um, and then, you know, more, more loop projects obviously will come up uh, again, where we're able to kind of induce that demand. But in the long run, I, I mean, I think that the technology that's, really for sale is, is uh, this incredible tunnel boring machine that we have that is so ridiculously fast and uh, ridiculously cheap for what it's doing. Um, so that's, that's, I think, where you'll see a lot of the projects um, going forward is not even in the transportation sector. So well, can being, I ask being you in Las Vegas too, I mean, you, you obviously get to showcase it to people from all over the world. So yeah, that's, that's that's important. And, 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 and Lewis, can I ask you to, to what extent the geology where it's applied uh, changes the the um, you know accounting or the economics drastically, or is it is it relatively independent of geology? Yeah, I'm I'm definitely not an expert on that. What I can okay. say is that um, is that there's no there's no project that the company that where I've heard our engineers say, oh, because it's in this location, we're not going to do the the job. So I think no matter what, it's always economically, um, I guess, viable or, or worthwhile for us. Um, I think the, the more of what I just hear is groaning, where people are like, oh, you know, th- this is going to be fun. You know, even in Vegas, we've got a lot of caliche soil here, which is not fun to, to dig through. And so as we do our borings throughout the city and along our future alignment, um, and, you know, you literally hear the, the um, the guys who, who did the soil borings earlier in the day walk in with their, their sample soil in, in a bag and <laughs> the engineers will come together and take a look and they'll be like, oh no, like that's going to be, you know, or they'll look at it and be like, yes, like we're going right through that thing. Uh, so it, it just depends. Um, but I think regardless, it's, it's, it's all doable. There's, there's not really a, a, a case where we're like, oh, you know, we're not doing California. 
you know, it's, uh, it, it's all, it's well, okay. maybe because of regulatory reasons. The, the <laughs> thing that really gets me though, is that it, it seems like the critics are just look, comparing it to like a complete transit system. Whereas it seems like you guys are looking at use cases where you can prove in something that wouldn't have made sense otherwise, like the Ontario project. I was just looking at my summary and they were talking a billion to a billion and a half for light rail versus like 75 million, including the operation system for your 2.8 mile tunnel. And they, they said, you know what, we don't even need to do this $3 million study. Let's just go for it. And just, so to me, that's a huge deal is that you're not boiling the ocean. You're solving real problems. Yeah. Yeah. That's also a great point because, um, you know, part of what we don't know is how much demand will appear out of nowhere because suddenly new projects are possible, right? I mean, um, if something costs $3 billion, they're like the vast majority of municipalities are going to say, there's no way in, in, in heck that we're going to come up with $3 billion. Um, you know, let's not even think about this system. But if you're talking about the same system, like you said, for something under 100 million, suddenly you have like 30 more cities who want a system. Um, so it's hard to say right now what that's what that's going to look like. But I mean, it's very possible that there's just like a huge amount of demand out there that um, will become, you know, a marginal price goes down, and, um, the m- number of projects goes up. So we'll see. I don't know. Well, the website for the company lists some uh, very interesting advantages to tunnels, including, you know, the, some that are just obvious minimal land use the weatherproof operation, et cetera, et cetera. So there are a lot of advantages here, especially when you can do it at the kind of cost that the boring company seems able to do it. Yeah, I, I think kind of the the question that I have going forward um, is, you know, you look at this, there are like all sorts of um, futuristic mock-ups uh, of, of what's going on underground where you have layer upon layer upon layer of these tunnels going in all sorts of directions and you don't have to stop for anyone. Uh, and, and, you know, that's kind of the, the magical idea behind it. It's like, it's a, it's a, a highway with an infinite number of layers, uh, theoretically. Excuse me, um, my, my question though is like, you know, right now you'll notice that our, our alignment for Vegas pretty much goes under public roads. So it goes uh, up Las Vegas Boulevard, hangs a right and then comes back down under Main Street. Um, and that's because right-of-way acquisition is a lot easier if you're doing it under public roads, right? You don't have to get permission from every single property owner, um, which obviously becomes complicated. And then you get people who are like, yeah, you can go under my property for $40 million. Um, it's just ridiculousness. So, um, you know, getting to the point where you can kind of just zigzag whatever direction you want to underneath the earth will have to be a change in, in current I guess, I don't know if it's zoning policy or, or land use policy, I guess, um, which is a, a part of zoning. Um, you know, there's, there, there would have to be some change in order to make that viable. So I'm, I'm really curious how that's going to go. Um, in the short run, I think you'll see most tunnel systems just going underneath public right-of-ways. That's, that's interesting. Uh, I mean, Let's ask the planning board member, how deep <laughs> under my house do I own? Yeah, well, well I think, you know, this, this is a very important point because, because in fact, uh, you know, there have been people in the past who have uh, wanted to build slurry pipelines from the, uh, from, you know, the, the coal mines in Wyoming or whatever and to Texas. And of course, the railroads, they would have to cross under railroads. And, and I do believe that, in fact, uh, people through 
through through in the towel because they just could not get permission from the railroads to pass underneath them. Okay, otherwise, you know, from you know, there probably would be slurry pipelines that would have moved coal instead of two hundred car Burlington Northern trains or whatever that uh, to move that coal. Uh, and and so th- this is not a, a trivial issue as to, you know, the, the who owns the mineral rights, you know, going down and so on. Somehow, you know, United Airlines and the airlines have figured out a way to fly over my house here in Princeton and me not charging them for, you know, violating my air rights. Um, the whole business of at least in some parts of the country, if not many parts of the country as to who owns what and mineral rights and so on and access going down is you know and and i i think the 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 people that have done fracking and so on have maybe figured out a way to deal with some of that and because you know they go and do who knows all kinds of things with with their their drilling but this is this is a, a not this is a serious issue Absolutely. Well, you know, when we were in uh, grade school, they used to ask us after summer vacation to to come back and tell everybody what we did on our summer vacation. <laughs> Louis, you're going to have some tales to tell what you did in the COVID year. Jesus. Yeah. Oh, do I, do I have to give them an A or something? Damn it. I mean, I don't know, Louis. Uh, maybe whatever. Um, yeah. it's. Uh... You didn't say no, I noticed. <laughs> <laughs> No, it's been fun. I mean, one of the one of the weird parts about being here is that it's a, a really young company. And so there are several employees now in the office who have come to the company after I've come. Uh, obviously, the, the best part is the first two weeks when they don't know that I'm not important. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> and it wears off. But yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's been a great time. But I'm, I'm looking forward to being back on campus in the fall. I'm, I'm so excited. And uh, We'll be back in into theory and a little bit less practice. Yeah, well, we certainly uh, want you back, and we certainly uh, better be back on campus because, uh, yeah, while we've made it through the spring, uh, you know, we're in our last two teaching days here. Um, you know, it's it's not been pretty. Well, yeah. Terrific, terrific. And and Ken, where can people go to to follow all of your work? Uh, VOD.com or VOD.TV. That's V-I-O-D-I. It's VOD with eyes. Wonderful. Thanks to our sponsor, the Smart ETFs, Smart Transportation and Technology ETF. The ticker symbol for the ETF is M-O-T-O, and more information is available at M-O-T-O-ETF.com. You can find us at SmartDrivingCar.com, also on Anchor FM, Spotify, TuneIn, Apple, Google, Spreaker, SoundCloud, wherever you turn for podcasts and your smart speaker can play us too. You can find my tech reports at textination.com. I'm Fred Fishkin along with Alan Kornhauser. Thanks for listening or watching and please continue to stay safe. Thank you very much, Ken and Lewis. Thank you.